You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yes, what is up, everybody? And welcome to another exciting episode of K Golasso. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Heath Pierce, and we're going to break down all of the games on match day three of CONCACAF World Cup qualifying, including the U.S. having the most magical second half of all time. But before we get there, you have to know, K Golasso Pod starts right now. All right, everybody, welcome to the show. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside your favorite former U.S. men's national team player, Heath Pierce. I'm just going to give you the full recognition oh, there, Yes, we and did you, it, dude. And do you know why? It's because on our preview podcast, you said Ricardo Pepe is going to be the guy. He's the most amazing number nine that we've ever produced or whatever, you know, uh, claims that we want to get. And he produced. He produced Heath Pierce. So I want to give you your due. Here's your platform. Congratulations. You are now the smartest person I've ever met. Hey, can I say something real quick? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, since since I am on the throne, uh, <laughs> I I, I, I want to say that MLS showed up tonight. It did. Uh, MLS informed like MLS at 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 at, at large points. Brendan Aronson was a bright spot. Roldan, mm-hmm. um, uh, Legette, uh, Pepe. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, these, these are, these, these are MLS players. Mark McKenzie, I thought struggled in the first few minutes and then really settled in and mm-hmm. was lights out the rest of the game, just winning all of his challenges, winning his battles. I thought that was a really important distinction. Matt Turner obviously had to make a couple uh, big saves uh, in that game, but just MLS showing the quality that they have, the ability. Do you think part of that is CONCACAF Champions League? Do you think part of that is the quality of the player of MLS now, the quality of experience that an MLS player has? Because I do think there was something about the energy of some of these players that normally we would lean towards like, oh, the experience and high press and high pressure environments of the European player and their week in, week outs. I saw I saw all of that sort of urgency from the MLS player tonight. Well, what would I discussed, I think, in the preview or at some point along this journey in World Cup qualifying that if you play in Europe, play in MLS, play wherever, it really doesn't matter. It's like, do you do you show up when the whistle blows? And I remember saying that, and, and I lived it myself. I remember in the 2006 World Cup when I played, there we're, we were all excited. All the fan base was excited. Oh, now our European-based players that play in Europe, they're going to lead us to everything. Now, I love those guys, but did they come out and like lead us? No, at the end of the day, me and Clint Dempsey were the two highest rated players of that team. We you know we got knocked out in the groups, but he, at that time, Clint only had MLS experience and I only had MLS experience. So, and it really taught me that, dude, you could be an absolute stud, but if you're not ready at that particular moment to play, I mean, that's ultimately what provides a difference. Now, to your point, though, you do gain experiences along the way that help you prepare for that moment. Mm-hmm. And some others, some are ready and some aren't. And I thought that those guys in particular did show up and it's very warming to our heart because there's so much, uh, there's a lot of Euro snobs out there. I'll just say it like that. All right. Very quickly before I go back to you, if you guys want to listen to K Golasso on your smart speaker, you can just say, hey, Alexa, or as I like to say, hey, Heath, play the latest episode of the K Golasso podcast. And then Heath drives over to my house and turns it on for me, which is amazing. Or, hey, Google, play the latest episode of the K Golasso podcast and then make it happen. Also, if you're watching live on YouTube right now, be a part of the conversation. Leave some comments in the chat. Hit like and subscribe, of course. That's mandatory. And then hopefully we'll get to read some of your 
your questions on air and answer some of your questions. Now, also, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, do us a favor and leave Kay Golasso a five-star rating because we are working our buns off over here to make sure we provide the best content around the U.S. men's national team and the the beautiful game around the world. So that would mean a lot to us if you did that. All right, Heath, let's get into this game. And let's just start from the very beginning because the lineup came out and it was a little, I think the word that I used on Twitter was chaos, chaotic. It was all over the place. And my Mm -hmm. big concern for this was that we were putting a lot of players in positions that maybe weren't their best. I'm looking at Tyler Adams as a right wing back, James Sands as a holding midfielder. And yes, I know they do it for their club, RB Leipzig and NYCFC respectively, but that's not their best spots. And we're asking Josh Sargent to be a winger. Yes, we've seen him do it with Werder Bremen and, and now a little bit with Norwich. But, but he's better up as a number nine. So you're getting a lot of hope. I hope these players turn out. We have 18-year-old mm-hmm. George Bello bombing forward. Not a lot of experience. I thought he could have done a little bit better on their goal. A lot of hope happening in this lineup. Once we give up a first goal with all those defenders, a back three, or back five, and James Sands, who's usually a center back, and Kellen Acosta, we should never give up a goal with those types of players in the team. But we do. And then, obviously, we have some bigger questions. There was a really, really bad first half. And I was thinking, man, what am I going to say about Greg Berhalter after the game? Because I think he might have to get fired. But then he made some subs and it changed everything. And I just want your thoughts on on kind of the Jekyll and Hyde performance of this team. Yeah, so I, I didn't think it was a terrible half. I thought it was an away game in CONCACAF half, right? Uh, outside of after they got scored on, then I thought it went, it went really bad. <laughs> uh, but, but the first opening minutes, like, James Sands, I was happy with. Like, he wanted the ball. He looked really energetic. He was out trying to scrap and win second balls. And perhaps I'm judging on a different scale right now because as we've talked about in the, in the previews and the reviews of these uh, so far, and you and I are talking multiple times a day across everything, uh, CBS, Paramount+, Plus. Uh, it was I wanted to see desire and fight and that willingness to to be vulnerable and that willingness to go out there and take chances and take calculated risks that might not end in something great, but at least you took chances. Mm-hmm. And so when I looked at James Sands, I was like, okay, not bad. Tyler Adams, not bad. He's got energy. It's good. And then as the game went on, after we gave up the goal, it started to look a little bit more in disarray, a little bit more of players playing out of position. I thought Josh Sargent from the start looked a little bit lost. I don't, mm-hmm. but no disrespect to Josh Sargent. He looks lost to me a lot um, in, in our system. And I know we're going to talk about about Pepe, but one thing I wanted to say about the difference between the two of them is we spend a lot of time saying, well, is it the system's fault that Josh Sargent doesn't get the ball or doesn't mm-hmm. get involved? Well, they just played away in Honduras. And from the very start, take away his goal and his assist, or I don't know if he gets the second one off the shot, but take away all of that from Pepe. Immediately, he had good hold-up play. He was scrapping mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. balls. He was out looking for the ball. He was getting other players around him involved. He had this uh, situational awareness. He he had you could just feel his presence. And again, maybe I'm reading into that way too much because I'm invested in him and I'm invested <laughs> in us. You're finding, 100% yeah, invested in him uh, yeah. and finding a, a a number nine solution. However, guys like him or players like that that get the opportunity, I could feel him from the start and I could already feel a different dynamic. Even when we were suffering, I was like, I'm not thinking about taking him off the field. I'm not thinking about, oh, we gave him a shot. Let's change. He wasn't the one that I was worried about. He wasn't the one that was worrying me in terms of how are we going to get our goals or how are we going to get these chances? I was like, okay, he's done a good job. He's tried to get involved. He's scrapping. He's fighting. Mm -hmm, He's got mm -hmm. this energy to press and, and, and just like that. I don't know. Excitement I, to him. I, I, I'll jump in and say he felt like a a real number nine. Yeah, and and Pifok does at times as well. If we're going to throw him into the conversation, Daryl DK. But there was something about his movement tonight that I thought was was very good. And and 
I think in some ways we we did Ricardo Pepe. Uh, I was going to say a disservice. We didn't do him a disservice. We did the opposite of that. We did him a service. And, 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 <laughs> and the reason us. is because <laughs> we served him balls. Yeah. We we started to hit balls from a deeper spot. That's how our first two goals were created. Just hitting a ball in a good area in the box. We talked about it. I was very passionate about it. Take what the team is giving you. Take what the other team is giving you. And we did that tonight. We didn't we didn't try to get that extra touch. We didn't try to. You don't always have to beat players one on one to get off a good cross. And sometimes if you do that dawdling and you're trying to make it happen, the runs are dead because the, the striker's already made the run and now he's got to recycle or whatever it might it may be, right? And so when you're hitting balls from deep, it allows our attackers to actually approach it in, in a different way, I'd, I'd say. And if everybody's on the same page, you can time your runs accordingly. And I obviously think we did that very well. We got a, a comment here from Hydra who says, Burhalter got saved by Pepe. Yes, we could argue, uh, you know, a goal and two assists in the second half could do that to help you win 4-1. And, and Pepe was still out there in the first half, which we thought, I'd say overall, was pretty dismal. Didn't offer up too much hope. But but I like that he came out. They were very bright. The subs were great as well. I thought they brought on the right energy just to kind of tie all that in together. Uh, what I really liked about the subs, though, was it felt like it gave us a better balance of the team. And I actually think Berhalter taking out John Anthony Brooks, of all people, right? He's he's really the guy that I think we've looked at. Is, oh, he's an automatic starter for us. Yeah, I was shocked when he didn't start against El Salvador. I was, I was mind blown. Uh, same, same. I'm not, that, I'm not that mind blown anymore. Now, yeah, maybe maybe Greg's seen something that uh, we haven't been paying attention to as much. But but obviously the Canada goal for me is still unacceptable. Even the goal today where he gets kind of turned very easily in midfield and doesn't track. Doesn't like have doesn't that urgency. Sprint. Yeah. That doesn't that's... have that urgency to get back is crazy to me. And so, so. I, I don't know what's going on there per se, but but I do think that spot might be up for grabs in a different way because if Miles Robinson and Mark McKenzie continue to play like they did in the second half, well, we might have found our new center back pairing. What, what I'll say this really quickly, and then for all the people watching, if you have any other comments here, now this has just opened up a whole bunch of other questions for me about, well, who is our best 11? Now, this is a great problem to have because I always feel like we probably have more depth than we've ever had in our national team pool. So I'm excited about these questions. I'm not necessarily scared of it. But it, I find it interesting. I don't know where you stand on that, Heath. Yeah, and I'm not that worried about our best 11 because I don't think there's ever been a time, probably mostly with Jurgen, where we had a consistent 11. I mean, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Jimmy, when, it, when I played with you, I played with you, Bocanegra, Eddie Pope at one point, um, I, uh, Danny Califf, um, you know, Jay Demerit. There was a number of players coming in and out. It was constantly changing based on... Yeah. Uh, you know, who's fit, who's healthy, who's playing, who's in form and all these things, then I'm not too worried. And I'm just talking about the back line there. You know, I'm not too worried about who's the 11. Right now, what I'm worried about is when we go back and play home next match against Jamaica, do we get this team that comes from all the big clubs and we're probably going to have a few big moments before the hand where Pulisic scores a wonder goal and Reina comes back and does something with Holland that we're like, we need him in these half spaces. Mm -hmm. Or are we going to roll out a team that's like, you know what? I'm going to fight. And eventually we're going to wear you down. And we've got just kind of like how Canada did it. We're going to mm -hmm. we're going to wear you down. And eventually we are going to beat you because we're better in every single way. But we're going to start with that fight. We're going to start with dumping a few balls into the corner and chasing them into the corner flags. We're going to make you uncomfortable. I, I, look, when Honduras were able to get behind the ball and recover quickly, mm -hmm. they still mm -hmm. sat in their blocks. But the U.S. found a way to go in, out, in, out, out the other side, whip the ball in. Sounds like a pretty good game plan to me if mm -hmm. you're trying to create chances on the road. And it worked. And and they kept, like, you know, when once they started to figure that out, just a few passes out the other side where there's right. space, it that same sort of thing happened with the overlap um, uh, last game. It, it's just, 
Those are the kinds of things that I want to see. And so for me on that 11, it's just like, is Greg going to go with energy or is he going to go with the, the 11 players that we know are probably our best 11 individuals? Yeah, no, that's a great point. And I'm curious to see what the next window looks like, especially because we host Jamaica, who didn't play particularly well in their first three games. All right, let's talk now about your famous take. I'm going to call it a famous take now about Ricardo Pepe. I know that our producer, Des Norris, is going to roll some tape for us about your about your thoughts about what makes this player special and why he's going to have a big impact on the national team. So hopefully Des is ready to roll that clip so we can all enjoy it for Pepe a second score. time. His goals are very similar to a Lewandowski. He scores in every single way from everywhere on the pitch, and it mm-hmm. looks like the goalie's making mistakes a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll slot one to the near post. He'll put, he'll roof one high. He can score on a header. He can score with both feet. But it always looks like something's gone wrong for the other team. And when you see that happen over and over and over again, you start to realize he's just got this nose for goal. Look at that. Mm. I also like my nodding. I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, sure, yeah, I'm listening yeah, yeah, to you. Yeah, this guy's <laughs> full of it. This guy doesn't know what but he's you, saying. But you weren't full of it, and you absolutely nailed it. So, again, I want to give you a, a hearty congratulations there. What is it about his game that you saw prior to this that really made you a believer? He's just, again, like he'll shoot from tough angles and score. He'll do things that he looks very comfortable doing that most strikers aren't. And there is just a way about his game. If you look at the 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 the, the fourth goal tonight, that is it Legette that scores the fourth yes. goal, right? Mm-hmm. If you see the speed of the release of Pepe's shot, one on one with the goalkeeper, he could have done better. He could have put it around him. But if you see the speed of the release off of his foot, in terms of the moment he opens his hip up to the moment the ball leaves his foot at real time it will blow your mind at his ability to get that kind of angle on the ball. Forces the goalkeeper to parry it wide, keeps it in bounds, we finish it off. Now, is there any credit that Pepe should get for that? I don't know, maybe, maybe not. But if you watch it happen, if you watch mm-hmm, the way he mm-hmm. sets himself up as a striker, he's 18, the way he his first touch into his second touch and the speed of which it leaves his foot, it's something spectacular. And when you watch that happen over and over and over again, you look at him versus... Uh, strikers now and you go well he doesn't have a crazy pace he he's not crazy athletic he can't out jump he he, he can't mm-hmm. whatever but then when you see him get the ball on his foot it reminds me of a story that somebody told me when i first got to copenhagen about wesley schneider and how they watched him play in a champions league game they were playing against brondy and wesley schneider was on the field at halftime as like a 16 17 year old kid and all he was doing the entire half is shooting the ball as hard as he could with nobody out there. Like he'd get the ball, take a touch inside and smack it and do it again and again. And people are like, this kid's crazy. Like he's not passing with the other players. He's not doing anything. All he wanted to do was get the ball and smack it. And it reminds me of this kind of kid who just get wants to get the ball and he wants to smack it. And, and it, it, maybe that's not doing it any justice of the quality that he has, but that willingness to, to yeah. score goals in a whole bunch of different ways and feel comfortable doing it. Um, and, and at a high percentage, again, I don't know what the stats are. People have been tweeting me and others about just his XG is like four times what it should be. And just the form that yeah, he's whatever. in right now. And, he and you speak, you're speaking to, about it for yeah. me. You're speaking about an intangible, like a mentality and, and to Ace stone just had a comment that, that, that he likes that we have this, or at least with Pepe, you have this attacking mindset to your point where he wants to shoot. He wants to get it off his foot and make something happen. And he's trying to break you down. And looking forward, he's not necessarily looking for the safe option. He's looking for the option that's going to hurt the other team the most. And then Nomad says, you know, what if you had Aronson underneath? And also, we haven't spoken about Brendan Aronson. 
I said, I think I want to say that I said, I might've just had it in my head, everybody, but that Brendan Aronson, I think could push Gio Reyna and Christian Pulisic to first starting spot. I actually really, really enjoy how he plays because he's also another one who's looking to break you down and play quickly. He's also very good at, at counter pressing. He's also, he's just alive. That guy is a live wire in terms of energy. So I was happy to see him score for the second consecutive game. And I do think that we have this, these two players in Pepe and Aronson that maybe we didn't think we'd be relying on this early into World Cup qualifying, but here we are. And now I think they will be pushing Reyna and Pulisic and McKinney if McKinney ever gets back into the team for, for valuable minutes. And I'm looking at Aronson in particular for the midfield spots, whereas I think Pepe could be our, our number nine moving forward. Now, Mbiva had a comment before that talking about Josh Sargent and how we, everybody was on the hype train with regard to, oh, like this is the guy. You know, he scored a few goals. He's going to lead us to glory. We always love the hype players here in the States. But Ricardo Pepe might actually be the guy that's worth the hype. You were already hyping him before he even did anything, so you're ahead of it. Do you think that it's fair of us now as a fan group of the U.S. men's national team to really start to hitch our uh, our wagons to the hype train that is Ricardo Pepe and Brendan Aronson? Brendan Aronson, yes. And the reason I say Brendan Aronson, because he's he's proven that, again, there is a, his ability. He doesn't have to score all of our goals. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to have all of our assists. But he gets into good spots. He finishes his chances when he gets them. And his energy is really, really high. The speed of which he thinks, the, the way in which he wants to play the game, um, I think make give him intangibles that uh, that very few players in the national team have right now. And, and, and that willingness to play on both sides of the ball, which is the international game. There is no, no free pass for anybody who doesn't want to defend. And I think that's could be the biggest crutch if we have too many of these big players playing at big clubs that are not used to having to potentially put in that shift in a way that we need them to on the national team. The other thing I would say about Ricardo Pepe and why I, why I like him is three times at a minimum tonight, he got the ball and within two touches, Pulisic was spinning out underneath him to get the ball facing the field. And maybe that was because it was a good entry ball into Pepe. Maybe it was whatever, but his understanding of his role within the grander context of where he was on the field was like, get the ball. Pulisic spins off, obviously trusts him, lays it off to him. And Pulisic is now facing at the field, running at players in actual dangerous positions, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. not from the six, not from the eight underneath where you're spinning out. Now you're running at a back line. And I think there's something super valuable about a striker being able to get our best player into better spots on the field. And that I think Sargent struggled at PFOC struggled at PFOC. Again, I think he's great because he scraps and he battles, but he's not as clean as Pepe is when he gets mm-hmm, the ball. Mm-hmm, Pepe mm-hmm. can hold you off and get into good spots and hold in, get you into position and make decisions while he's doing that, make decisions in real time. And again, he's got so far to go to prove me right or to prove that he, he can convert on the potential that he has. But those little things that you start to see make the game so much more predictable when you're on the field. You know, Jimmy, you, you've played with a, a whole range of, of, of players that some of which you could play an entry ball to and you know you'd always get it, right. get it back. You know, right. Brian Ching, Connor Casey, these guys battle Brian for McBride. positioning. Brian yeah. McBride. You know that when I get it to you, there is a good chance that you're going to hold it up and and find the right next play. And then you have other big guys that aren't good at that, you know, that are good at other kinds of things or, or, or don't establish that type of thing. And I think having that predictability, that trust and understanding with players around you, I think Pepe showed that. And I'm not saying he's the starter. I'm not saying he's going to be fantastic. Good start. But he's got these things that are immediate contributors to the overall quality of how this team is going to win and how we're going to get the best out of the other players around who clearly aren't able to do that with other players on the field right now. Okay. I love that, that insight on Ricardo Pepe. Now let's move over to something I want to ask you 
going down to Honduras, if I would have told you that we would win 4-1 <laughs> and Gio Reyna didn't play, Weston McKinney didn't play, Josh Sargent came out at halftime, and Christian Pulisic came out when it was still 1-1 and we would win up win win 4 to 1. Would you would you ever believe that? I mean, would you ever I mean, I, it would be hard for me to believe four goals in general against Honduras and San Pedro Sula even with all those guys playing. But I think it speaks to something that this team has and and as I mentioned on HQ before we recorded this, this is our we've only lost once in 22 games and that was to Switzerland in a friendly. We won everything in the Nations League, won everything in the Gold Cup. We didn't lose any any games in this qualifying window. But yet we're still, I mean, there were obviously we didn't play to our, our full ability or to our potential. And, and, and so I'm just really impressed with this depth and, and this spirit that we do have that we're no matter how we play, we're still not going to lose. And I think that's going to serve us well throughout this qualifying phase. So let's move this. I'm going to bridge it now to Greg Berhalter. He clearly did not get the lineup right, but he made three changes that brought better balance to the team and made some bold calls, taking out John Anthony Brooks in particular. What does this mean for him moving forward? Because after ha- at halftime, I was like, dude, I think this guy could get fired, you know, but but things change very quickly. Scoring very early three minutes into the second half, obviously give the team some confidence. Where are you on Greg Berhalter right now? And how important was that kind of that courage? I think you mentioned before about making that call and making three subs that ultimately changed the game. Uh, yeah, as I mentioned already, it is it takes a lot of courage to make subs at halftime. You've got a bunch of egos on the field. You're playing away. Things aren't going well. You're 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 signaling to uh, fans. You're signaling to U.S. Soccer to the players on the field that they're not good enough to be on the field to fight for these points, and they're not doing their job. You're talking about John Anthony Brooks, a player who is crucial to this team uh, up until now. You know, you're making these statements, and I think that takes a lot of courage. And also, I'm assuming, and again, I could be wrong. He's in the locker room saying he got it wrong. I don't think that the U.S. should have played in a five-back system. I'm not against it. I don't think it was terrible. But again, as soon as we go back to a back four again, everybody looks more comfortable. Everybody seems to know the gaps in the spacing and the way in which you press and who steps out and who drops and where just all the fundamentals come back to life again. And so my take on Greg is that his job is safe. I think if we finished on a point, I think his job was safe. Uh, it's You get 14 games. It's mm-hmm. so many games. And this team is clearly talented enough to, to, to qualify regardless of how they, they started this. Now, granted, we said that in 2018. It didn't happen. But w- what I'm enjoying is somehow, and Greg has to get credit for this, he's finding a way to get this team to dig deep in very tough moments. Give up a goal in the first minute against Mexico. They come back and win. They play a Gold Cup final against Mexico. They win. They 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 play pretty average against Honduras in the semifinal. Could have could have lost that mm-hmm, one. Mm-hmm. They find a way to win. And you said it right, Jimmy. You say a lot of smart things. This is probably <laughs> up there, though. This team doesn't know how to lose, and there is a belief system that, yeah, on a bad day they get a point. On a good day they run away in, in the second half and they get three points and and they do it right. Now, I think he's still tinkering with how do we get that for longer periods? How do we get that mm-hmm. energy from the start? How do we get that courage from the start, that risk from the start? I think he's he's tinkering with that a little bit. And we've seen crazy changes in formation, systems of play, lineups. I think that's probably going to continue. But I like his ability to just dial it enough to eventually go, okay, I've gone out on a limb enough. I'm going back to throw all this other stuff out 
fight our way back into it. Maybe that's him. Maybe that's the yeah. team. Maybe that's the experience and the quality of these players to go like, all right, you know what? These guys want to go punch for punch. We're going to do that. Um, so that's that's my take on him um, currently. Okay, so let's talk now about the top performer for you in this qualifying window. I uh, Tyler Adams pretty much solidified to me that he should be the captain moving forward. Uh, I think that guy's an unbelievable workhorse. He's got an incredible engine, and it's clear he is – uh, a, a leader in every single facet uh, of how you define that. I also was really impressed with Anthony Robinson. So I think that he is really locked down that left side and made it his own. I was waiting for him to do that. He'd been a little unsure of himself in previous performances, but since this window started, I think he's been very good, solid against El Salvador as a sub, very good against Canada. And I thought he was good again when he came on as a sub and obviously scored the goal that gave us that belief again. So I'm really, honestly, those two really stand out for me as, as the biggest winners, I'd say, uh, of this. Outside of Ricardo Pepe, obviously, who stole the show here. Brendan Aronson, I guess those four. Can I Can I have four? I'm going to go with four now. Those are like my four <laughs> performers that I think have really kind of turned heads and said, hey, actually, we don't need to necessarily always rely on Pulisic, Reyna, McKinney, Sargent. We have these other guys that can step up and, and do the job as well. Yeah, I will say that Brendan Aronson did look lost uh, at the 10 spot when he when he started the game in the 10 spot. Always better in, in those half spaces. I think him being able to drift in between those lines and and come up underneath the striker from time to time, I think is going to to be better for him. I would love to be able to see Reyna potentially in that 10 spot underneath the striker moving forward so that we can have Brendan Aronson on the field and that mm-hmm. uh, infectious energy. You know, I, I, I can't... I, I don't know what it is about the energy of this team when it's good, that reminds me of just my best moments, my best moments in the national team. And maybe yours are different, Jimmy, were when the team is just aligned. And again, I, I and we just talked about this on, on HQ that the, it feels when a team is playing against you, that if one guy gets past you, gets past your challenge, well, guess what? There's another guy coming, flying mm-hmm. in for a challenge. Mm-hmm. And the moment that ball pops out, there's a midfielder now coming to swoop that up and poke it away. And the moment you turn out from that, now somebody's collapsing on you. And that 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 sort of like, we are going to ruin you today. And it's going to feel like you have no luck. You have no time. You have no energy. You have nobody who wants the ball. You're going to start throwing your arms around. Like that's when the national team is at its best. And that's the core of, of what I think makes the U.S. national team very difficult when they're playing well. And so... You know, uh, I would say the Robinsons were, were were great for me. Big standout players. Yeah, yeah, Miles. Um, yeah, both of them. I think rose to the uh, the challenge that I think. Again, I don't know. I didn't know what their ceiling was earlier this year or or heading into the summer. And now, you know, we're seeing them sort of solidify themselves as international quality, as guys you can rely on, guys you can trust, guys that aren't going to make the big air uh, that I think perhaps uh, might lie deep within some of our other players. And so, uh, and then Matt Turner, I think I worry about him at times in a game like this where they're going to his feet a lot and he doesn't look comfortable with the ball at his feet. He doesn't look comfortable playing out. But if you have a firm understanding that if you go back the second time, he's going to dump it long and you clear your lines and you push everyone up. I don't think that's an issue in these games. In I'll, fact, I'll, I think it's I'm going to, I'm going to jump in really quick and I don't, cause I don't remember Tim Howard or Casey Keller, or Brad Friedel, <laughs> Marcus not, Hanneman. Definitely like, not those guys. Those guys, those guys are, didn't play yeah. with their feet. I mean, nope. it's, a, it's a trend that's been brought in, and obviously Zach Steffen playing for Man City kind of fits that in. But as I think as we've gotten away from trying to play out of every situation in the back, Matt Turner's fine for me. The guy makes stops. And and to Adam's point, who says, we got to bring up Miles Robinson 100%, I am probably uh, 
Miles Robinson's number one fan at this point. He's wearing the number 12 shirt as a center back. I've got plenty of time for that because he used to wear number 12 as well. So I'm excited about that moving forward. And, and uh, as he continues to grow, you can tell he gets more and more confident it, with little things, right? You can just feel like his presence is growing and growing and growing. And hopefully that'll lead into more being more vocal and obviously putting guys in better spots to make plays, which I think will also just that's the normal evolution of that. But yeah, back to Matt Turner. I don't really care if he can if he can play with his feet or not. Yes, at times, you just got to be adequate. Just clear the ball out of there if you're under some pressure. We can figure it out later. We don't need mm -hmm. you to be, you know, Ederson or, or anybody else that's like a top goalkeeper with some good feet. Let me ask you this, Jimmy. Do you think that Tyler Adams has to be the starter at the number six position? Um, and if so, are you willing to sacrifice, sacrifice him when he has to step in to be our backup right back? And what, what I'm, I guess what I'm getting at is, if we can eliminate the need for a second right back in your camp, can you bring in another player that adds depth? And you're talking about 23 in the World Cup, right? Can you have a James Sands? Can you have another player and perhaps a player that we don't even know about yet that's going to step up and be able to contribute to the team knowing that, you know what, your first game, you maybe have him at the six. Your second game, you might have him at that right back position. Because what I liked about him at right back is he didn't look out of place. He looked hungry, same sort of energy, well, he'll do willing the work. to do his job. Exactly. Yeah, he's right. willing to do the work. Um, but do you think that it's a, it's a, from here on out, he's got to be in the midfield, whether you play him or not, his only position is a six. Yeah. Benjamin's right. Uh, that, that Tyler Adams plays with a chip on his shoulder and you can see it in every single play. He's so much better in the six for me. What I'll say is that when he was playing it right back, I didn't see him getting in there and and or even at wing back where he's even higher up the field, getting any crosses in or really whipping anything then it's dangerous. All of a sudden we make some subs. Legette hits a, a ball from that spot. We score. DeAndre Edlin comes in. We put Tyler Adams at the six. He whips in a ball and we score. It's just sometimes it's better to put the best players in the best spots. And I want him at the six. And I think if Acosta has to get sacrificed, and, and then, then yes. But if we don't have a right back option, he can definitely play it. Acosta can play it too, to be honest. I mean, you could probably interchange. We've seen Acosta play it there before. And what I know that I like about those two guys, if we had to put them there at any point, if we're in a pinch, is that we know they'll lock down that side of it. They'll still be tough to break down. They're still going to do the work and do the job. And so I value that those characteristics of both of those players. But all things being considered, Tyler Adams is going to be more uh effective he's going to be more influential he can be a better leader when he's in the middle of the field and i think he's going to just prove to be a difference and i think we saw it at the very end i mean he's still running full speed you know he ends up setting up the the you know leading the charge to free up peppy on the side and that ultimately led to the save that legit yeah. topped in so so i like tyler adams in the middle of the field he can do the hey, job hey. out there but but that's where i would go hey here's a here's a fun uh little uh segue uh conversation who's your starting 11 with this national team right now yeah, wow. And I'm not talking about who's healthy. I'm talking about you have all players available, including Matthew Hoppy and other guys. Who's your yeah. 11? Yeah, Matthew Hoppy's a great ad. And Daryl DK, you know, when he's on fire, you're like, how can we not play this guy? You know, so that that's an interesting one, especially as a contrast to Ricardo Pepe in some capacity. I don't know. Let's talk it out. Everybody watching, let's talk it out. Anybody listening, you know, get that list ready and hit us up on social media with what you think your best 11 is right now. I'd say Turner. Uh, I'd say let's play back four. Anthony Robinson. I'll go Mark McKenzie and Miles Robinson. Pretty disappointed, honestly, in in John Anthony Brooks. I'd say at this point, if everybody's healthy, I would go Dest. Though I'm kind of saying that with a question mark. But it's insane it, to me. We're talking about benching literally I, one of the 
best three center backs in the Bundesliga. I but get it. I fully I, agree with you, by the way. I fully so, agree. So, so let's. I still got a question mark around Des because he is a defensive liability at times because that's mm -hmm. not his instincts. Yedlin doesn't necessarily have the great instincts there too. So I feel like the right back position is still pretty wide open. I'm curious at what everybody's thoughts are about right back. Tyler Adams in the six for me. If you wanted to play a double pivot based on, on the opposition, you could go with Acosta. Legette obviously continues. Every time you think, nah, Legette's not the guy because he was pretty quiet against Canada, let's be honest. He does have something. He has this ability to, to make a difference. And to, you starting him? You starting him, though? I, I don't know if I'd start him at this point. I'm trying to work through. So four and my five, so six is Tyler Adams. I, I actually don't – Acosta doesn't light it up for me as the eight. He was another yeah. one that was pretty quiet against Canada. I like him better as a six as well. Yeah, that's really tough. That that kind of interchange there with but, those players. But I like Tyler Adams at the same. I'm curious about yours. Before, before you continue uh, uh, up, up top, my problem with those guys is they're great energy guys. Again, they they sort of, they become redundant after a while because right. you know they're you both going to put out a fire. Right? They're yeah. both going to chase. They're going to both track back. They're going to both press. They're going to both like do those things. They're going to overcommit at times. Um, that sort of stuff. But the one thing I can say about James Sands, and he's not my starter, but he at least wanted the ball in tight spots. Yes. He at least wanted the ball in pockets. Yeah. He at least wanted to connect the game and be triangulated with players around him. And maybe it was just because of the spacing. Maybe it was just because of the opponent. But there's something about that's always seemingly missing with this team in the build-up play that we can't seem to break through through those guys, through Tyler Adams, through Acosta, through, through Leggett, through um who, who's another one that's played in there um we, we can't break through anybody with passing so yeah. if we want to be yeah. a passing team why is it that we constantly roll out a team with a double double pivot both of which are are, are more effective in transition play or more effective uh in in other ways than in our buildup we don't have somebody that's like you know uh, Gringo Torres, who's like super comfortable on the ball, yeah, wants to no, come and true. get it, and slow the game down, and be rhythmic, and take a few chances. I'll tell you who does: Panama does, Honduras does, Costa Rica does. Right. You know, like all of these teams have players that want to come in, get the ball, ding, 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 out the other side, yeah, and now you've yeah. broken press. They draw you in, they spread you out, and now you're chasing forty yards to have to get behind the ball again. We don't have that. We don't have that in this team. And so either either it's it's a system we've got to just leave behind and not think about anymore mm -hmm. and be able to start winning those second balls higher up the field and doing other things. But I just always worry about our willingness to want to beat teams and break teams down, especially as they sit back and our comfort on the ball in those situations. Okay, so because it's been proven, and we've seen it in the first two games of this window, that we do struggle with teams that sit back, I don't know if we need Adams and Acosta on the field at the same time because, to your point, they kind of replicate each other. And I think that's a place where we could use an eight that's a little bit more box-to-box. -box. Weston McKinney could potentially fill that spot, assuming all things considered. Everybody you know, gets happy, happy, joy, joy about him being back and apologies are accepted and all that good stuff. I do want to give a shout-out to Maldonado who said, what do we just forget about Reggie Cannon? And Shaq Moore are obviously options at the right-back position as well, who Shaq Moore did have a very good goal cup when he got his minutes. Reggie Cannon, obviously, plenty of experience. So, yes, those are two options as well. But with regard to Adams and Acosta, it just depends on the opponent. If, if Maybe against Mexico, it would make sense to play those two, that double pivot, protecting that back four. Mm -hmm. But then if we know what team's going to sit back, then I honestly would prefer to have just Adams or Acosta. And then you have somebody else, a Weston McKinney. You have a Legette. You have these guys that are a little bit more of the glue that can help you transition. Or a Sans, 
to your point, right? Do we need we need somebody else in there that's a little bit more of a contrast between Acosta and Adams who do have similar characteristics. And then and then with the front three, I Aronson is like moved in, dude. I I <laughs> I was already I on like board. It. I was already on board, but there's something about him. Now that said, I do want to say that I kind of like him coming off the bench as well oh, yeah. because if I was on the other team and I'm having to deal with a Pulisic who's very good on the dribble, right? And you're like, God damn it, I got to chase this guy around. And Gio Reyna, who's very good at finding those half spaces and, and killing you with that little that little pass that's kind of in those little pockets. And if you, especially if you have a striker that's looking for those. And then all of a sudden, you're a little bit tired, 65th minute, 70th minute, and they bring on this little firecracker named Brendan Aronson who's not going to stop running for the next 20 minutes. I kind of see his role moving forward with this particular group of players, maybe at least through this World Cup, as our super sub off the bench. I really kind of see him in that role. And then if everybody's healthy, then you have the Pulisic, you have the McKinney underneath, you have the Reina. And then I think at this point, I still think number nine's wide open. I want to see more of Ricardo Pepe, so I'd continue to roll with him. And honestly, my second choice, Daryl DK is out here making people look stupid for Orlando City. When he's on fire, that guy's un unreal. So there's going to be a nice fight for number for the number nine spot. And I'm happy that we have that because for a long time, it was just Josie Altador and then who else? We didn't really have anybody really pushing him to compete in that space. So I think that's wide open. But to get to a hard, concrete answer, I think I'd want to see Pepe against Jamaica, to be honest. Yeah, and the thing I like most about Pepe is he's 18. He's yeah, 18. Yeah, yeah. I think you didn't see an 18-year-old on the field tonight. and You saw a international quality number nine on the field tonight and he's 18 right like he is just in the early phases of being a professional uh soccer player and that's only going to improve let's not forget he was competing he didn't he didn't start the first seven games of the season for fc dallas yeah i think it was the first seven games he got you got frank uh um yara there who's a dp that's playing over him naturally and this guy literally was just knocking on the door over and over and over again, being like, dude, I'm 18, whatever. This guy's starting over me. This guy makes millions of dollars. It doesn't matter. Put me on the field. I score goals. And he does that. And he did it. time, And he's doing it time and time again. And then you put him on the stage in the same way that we, we, we've we tried other young players that were young, like Conrad De La Fuente, who looked out of place in his first game. Other guys, Brendan Aronson, didn't look super, super. I think his first game was against one of the weaker opponents, but didn't look super comfortable in his first big test. I think may, that may have been against like Switzerland or something like that. And then you see a Ricardo Pepe and you go, well, he kind of fits in well. And he's and 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 he's an addition. He's a different dynamic and he helps right away. And so I look at him and my my biggest question in that 11, by the way, is do we go with a Adams, McKinney, and uh, and well, Eunice Musa Reina? was thrown out there, which I like the Eunice Musa yeah, shot a lot. I, see, this is where we're starting to talk about some serious depth. Now, our depth got tested in this camp. We had 26 players, and the complaints started to go crazy as soon as we rolled out James Sands and Kellen Acosta's getting more games, and we're putting Sebastian Legette in. But like, you're talking about a pretty big pool of players, and mm -hmm. in 12 months from now, um, an even bigger pool of players, and so. You know, I, Eunice Musa, I think, depending on how he comes back and how he plays this year at his at his club level, because he's another player. I think he's like, what, 19 years old or something mm -hmm. like that, mm -hmm. like maybe 18 still. He's he's one that that, again, you could see that he, he has so much potential to rise. But can he be impactful uh, at the national team level? And then that leaves me with that 10 spot. I would love to see uh, Gio Reyna start on the right side and then that sort of 50th minute or 60th minute, if it's not going great, if it's not humming. You move him inside to the 10, you bring in Brendan Aronson, 
Perhaps you take out another one of your midfielders, and now you've got you've got Pepe up there. I want to see Pepe for a sample size. That's the other thing I wanted sure. to say. Yeah, yeah, right. Give him a sample yeah. size. You got to give him a Dale couple DK. games. Dale DK a got a sample size. Everyone's yeah. getting a sample size. Matthew Hoppy got a sample size, and is another one to be, too to be a good addition. Yeah. But if you think about Brendan Aronson off the bench, Matthew Hoppy coming off of the bench for this team in terms of that energy, you look at it the way that I look at Canada when they put on Tejon Buchanan. Except I think even better than Tejon Buchanan and, and Jonathan David is the potential of the way this team can impact. Uh, the U.S. off the bench with that type of energy where it's like Brendan Aronson, a little bit more combination play, but it just keeps you guessing all the time, super intelligent. And then on the other side of Matthew Hoppy, who's going to get like, they, you know, we've talked about, they invented the corner flag for this guy. So he knows when to put his head up because he's going to put his head down mm-hmm. and run until he sees the corner flag. He's going to run at you over and over and over again. If he can learn to mix up that up, will make him even more dangerous. But I think it, I'm just so excited about all of these pieces. And I'm glad everybody's chiming in with different names because I think our brains are on melt. Because Joe Scally, I forgot about that. Joe Scally is another one that he could be, be on right back. Side. He plays a left back. Was Gladbach's player of the month? Uh, this yeah, month as a left so, back. It's crazy the amount of depth we have, but obviously that, as to your point, they got tested. So let's talk about this, and then uh, we'll take a quick break, and we can talk about the other games uh, very quickly. We have in our next three matches in the next uh, qualifying window, we have Jamaica at home. Mm-hmm. We have Panama away, who have proven to be very good. And we have Costa Rica at home. What do you expect? What Or what should uh, all of us, us fans, expect? How many points? Seven. 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 Minimum. I, so you're saying, saying got to win the games at home and then get a draw away at, at Panama. Yeah, and I think when you look back, I think Greg Berhalter probably saw seven here and then six at a minimum. And we didn't get six. And so now that number gets k- kicked down the road a little bit mm-hmm. longer. But when you look at this game... Home against Jamaica. Okay, Jamaica rolls out their stars. They still haven't played together. I still like our chances against them. I still think that we should beat them at home for sure. And I do think they have a lot to prove in the way that they uh, bouncing back from the way they played at home against Canada. And then, by the way, I'll, I'll, I'll make this quick. Then you go to Panama away. I think another game where I'm like point at a minimum. We've just shown now. Maybe this changes the tide. Maybe this shows that what we're going to do on the road against teams and that we're willing to scrap and fight. Maybe we roll out that lineup that's going to go down there and and have this courage and this never-say-die attitude. And then you bring it back home again against Costa Rica, who I think are probably the most vulnerable of, of the, those I traditional agree. Central American teams to get three points at home. They can't score. Yeah, they can't score right now. <laughs> what I'll say <laughs> hey, about, they got one. They, get, they did they score got one. one. They got yeah. one. But, but with regard to Jamaica, they actually played better in this window when they didn't have Mikhail Antonio, Rava Morrison, Leon Bailey. When they just had their other guys, you know, quote unquote, other guys that play in smaller leagues and don't, you know, play in the Premier League or whatever it may be. They just did what was necessary to get get the results, to have success in CONCACAF. We've been preaching it and it shows here with Jamaica. They go to go at home and they lose in Kingston for the first time since 2016. 3-0 to Panama. Now, Panama were very well organized and played very, very well. But away to Mexico, I mean, well, I guess they only, they, they, I thought they had a draw. They, they should have had a draw. They were lucky, un- unlucky not to get a draw on that one with their C team. And they got a draw against Costa Rica. So there's something to be said about this Jamaica team. We can't sleep on them, um, on, on them of course. But yes, they're going to have some dangerous players. But because we play them first in the window, I actually like that because it won't allow the Mikel Antonios to actually have too many days to train with this team before they get started because they do feel a little bit disjointed. So I agree with you. That's three points. Panama, I think a draw. I would take a draw in Panama given how well they've been performing. 
And then we have to beat Costa Rica. They have been really struggling. So seven points for me, uh, for sure. You said how many? You thought 18 to 20 points would get us into the World Cup? Yeah. If so we got, if we got seven 13. in the next window, that would be that would be 12. We would be more than halfway there with plenty of games to go. I want to say 13 did it on 10 games. It did. Yeah, 13. Now, I do think we're going to see... Really, it feels low, by the way. But yeah, yeah it, it does feel low. I mean, I think, I think Mexico was on 18 or 20 or something like that. But... I, I do want to say that I think there's going to be a separation at some point. I hope to see Costa Rica stay in it. I hope to see Jamaica stay in it. But I'm not like um, counting my chickens before they hatch uh, on them because I do think they're going to see this this separation where a lot of teams are going to get a lot of the same points off of teams. I don't think we're going to see it be That's that true. even when we get to around nine, ten games. There might be this gap and we're talking about five teams fighting for those three spots or four teams fighting for those three spots. And that's why I wanted Mexico to take all the points against Panama because it's like, you know, give, give the two and the three spot um, as, as close of a battle as possible. And so I still, I, I do believe the, the only thing I wanted to say is I think this team will leave this game in Honduras actually believing they can win away games now. Mm-hmm. And the way in which they win them. And it goes back to this mentality thing. It has nothing to do with playing beautifully or the game settling or breaking teams down or any of those things. It was literally, like you said, Jimmy, very simple. Get the ball, get it wide, whip it in the box, I know, that's create I chaos, <laughs> create opportunities, press we're, well we're as geniuses a unit. Over here. Take, yeah, take, the, take what the game gives you and it, and 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 again, it goes to those things. You feel this. Anybody who knows the game well or not, if you watch enough games, you feel this sort of dance happening. Mm-hmm. And eventually, you feel this momentum swing where you're like, "Oh, they look uh, like they've shut off," or too many players on the other team have shut off. They're vulnerable. This is this is a moment when you can understand that and know when your goal is coming. Which I think the U.S. did well in the second half to know when their goals were coming and and to create their own luck from those uh, vulnerable moments. I think this team has a belief that they can win games, uh, will have a belief that they can win all these games now. Instead of it being like, oh man, home games are must win and then we just hope for the best. I think this team now has the quality and the capabilities across the board and these players, if they can add that fight that we talked about from the summer. Right. Every game can be a win for this team. Now, that's a bit naive and I don't think it's going to happen, but that mentality of of knowing how that win is going to come is going to come from these things they can control, which is organization, fight, discipline, you know, uh, all of these dumb things we talk about all the time that seem so easy, but are in fact pretty difficult to do, uh, but are in their control. I think if they can apply those, I think there are points out there that sure. we're going to get on the road. Now, I just want to give a shout out to Marshall, who said that you guys are high. Yeah. There's no way the U.S., if they, the World Cup started tomorrow, they would get out of the group stages. First off, Marshall, I just want to say we're high on life. Okay, yeah. so let's just going to start there. Second... I'm high on this throne from getting peppy, right? That's right. (laughs) I agree to disagree on this because a lot of the World Cup, especially the group stages, depends on the group that you draw. So, yeah, you know, it's a real thin line between success and failure. Can this team go out and compete with with anybody? I think we have the quality to do so. Are we going to be put in the right positions to make that happen? That's up to Greg Berhalter, of course, and and if whether he's the right guy to lead us to these uh, spots to have success. So, so I just wanted to give a shout out to to Marshall for that, for calling us out. Yeah, yeah. so what? We're, we're feeling positive. We had a great 45 minutes, and I want to inject those 45 minutes straight into my veins. That's how excited I am about our performance. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So let's talk a little bit about Canada and their performance against El Salvador, who in El Salvador this is what I think about. They lost 3-0. Canada won 3-0 at home. It was a must-win game for Canada because they dropped points in their first one against Honduras. That was 1-1. They had to come back. They got a bit of a soft penalty, but that's how it goes in CONCACAF. No VAR in this competition. Canada looked very good. No Alfonso Davies. He went back. He's done uh, within this particular qualifying window. A little bit of an injury, so they didn't want to take any risks. They did the job anyway. What I'm going to say is this, for me, was a perfect time to play El Salvador. They had two home games. They don't have a lot of depth. This is a lot of lot of minutes for a lot of these guys that probably don't play in these types of intense atmospheres or this types of intense games this close together. So I think they just caught them at the perfect time. Canada knew what was at stake. El Salvador don't look very strong on paper. They needed to get those three points. They got two early goals, and it was done and dusted at that point. They were in complete control. I'm really impressed with this Canada team, and I'm excited to see how far they're going to go in qualifying. I am going to already put my flag on the ground. I did it before, even before it started. I think Canada qualifies for this World Cup. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I have trouble arguing against that because uh, just the way in which they're playing, right? They started with this their first game against Honduras and they weren't very good and they were trying to do the same thing the U.S. was trying to do, which is like, hey, look at all these great players uh, we have. Look at all the quality that we have. I mean, we have, uh, you know, a, a champion, a Champions League champion in, in Alfonso Davies. We've got the Golden Boot winner. In in Ligue 1 with with Jonathan David, we've got uh, or or the league winner with Jonathan David. We've got mm-hmm. um, you know all of these type uh, high quality Kyle Laren who's who's balling out of control, especially at the national team level. We've got a team that hasn't lost in a while. We are the best in Concacaf. That is hard to not uh, get that ego right when you put all those statistics together. And I think the U.S. suffers from the same thing. Mexico at times as well, and that they really struggled in that first game to really show what made them good. 
And when they were playing against all odds or nothing to lose, when they had a depleted roster and everything was a final. And then they got that back against the U.S. And then against El Salvador, they were like, again, same thing. Let's take these things that we've never had before and add them to the things we've always had, which is that sort of like be difficult to play against. And we're going to run through teams and we're going to be more organized and disciplined, especially at home. But we're not going to be this cocky, big flow. Let's win all the statistical categories and things like that. It was very pragmatic and very um, to the point. And I think that that does well in CONCACAF. And when you can do that consistently, and I, I, I agree with you that I think we, we've got ourselves a, a Canadian side that has a very high probability of going to this next World Cup. So one of my things that I want to bring up about Canada, their first game for the next qualifying window is at Azteca in Mexico City against Mexico. And I think that's going to be a nice test for both of those teams. So we're going to really find out what this Canada team is made of heading but into let, that Let them lose it. Let them lose it. I, I well, think for, for me, it, you know, they can lose that. They're in, they're in a good, they're in good shape right now. To be fair, they're in the same shape. That's as true. The US. That's um, true. But like, those are the ones where you go, well, you know, sure they can lose it, but I want to see how they perform because yeah. I feel like they've got this vibe about them that they can hang with anybody. And, and that's, I think is one of their biggest strengths right now is that confidence that maybe they haven't had in the past. They've got some depth. They've got an identity. I think John Hertzman's done an excellent job with them, but they got Mexico first. Then they go to Jamaica, so they got two away games. They play in Kingston, which, given how Jamaica's <clears throat> excuse me been performing, could be three points there. And then they come home to play Panama, so that's an interesting window for them. That's that's two tough teams right now. And then Jamaica, who I assume will fix it a couple things here, having a couple weeks to get it all sorted out. Uh, so let's move on to Costa Rica, Jamaica, very Wait, quickly. Can I can I tell you a, a, yeah. a, a, a secret between us, real Please. quick? I hope that uh, Mexico beats Canada, and I hope Jamaica beats Canada. That's just between us, though. <laughs> okay, I won't tell anybody else. I appreciate you sharing that. I with just me, don't want it. Me and me only. Don't don't. Yeah, I don't want anybody else to get points. No, like I'm no. worried about. I'm just like this is the first time you called me out on on HQ earlier for this, where I was just like, I hope I hope Mexico win, and I, I hope they set a, a record though. for <laughs> so Concacaf funny. points. For points one, because that means they're taking them from everybody, which means we've got a better chance of having two spots uh, alive, which they're very much alive now. But we, we we need Mexico to just crush everyone because, you know, I, I obviously I think the U.S. is back in it now and, and, and close. But you kind of want that one favorite that runs away. And if everybody's exchanging points all the time, just gets really ugly. Uh, and I don't want to take it down, like you said, to the last weekend no uh, we don't want that again we yeah, want to get yeah you. we don't want to wait till the last weekend to qualify for a world cup we want to get that locked in uh way before that anyway, so sorry. quickly about costa rica jamaica one one game costa rica needed to win it to be honest the reggae boys were pretty vulnerable i thought in this window it ended up one one they were up one zero two they got across uh, shamar nicholson scored uh, right after halftime just kind of looked like he was going to head it, which froze Keylor Navas, and he did like a flying chest, and it went into the back post. Made it 1-1. Costa Rica probably going to feel pretty hard done by. This could be a tough run for the Ticos. Uh, I don't know if you have anything to add to that. So we move on to Panama, Mexico, which I thought was pretty interesting. Panama in particular have been very good. They gave up seven goals in three group stage games in the Gold Cup. So they had some frailties, let's say, on the defensive side of the ball. They've locked that up. And they almost got a clean sheet against Mexico as well. My fear for them, though, was that they rolled out the same starting lineup for three consecutive games. And when you play against a team like Mexico that likes to keep the ball, they get, they like to wear you down with possession. And they got a late goal. Tecatito ended up scoring there to make it 1-1. But all due respect to Canada, I actually thought Panama, out of this whole window, was the biggest, most pleasant surprise, I think, from the CONCACAF World Cup qualifying region. Would you agree with me with those sentiments? Yes, 
And I thought that uh, Barcenas was a really good player against Mexico. And that's the player I worry about most for the U.S. A guy who's a true number 10 that spins in and out of tight mm-hmm, spaces, mm-hmm. that spins you like a top. Mexico, who are used to playing against that type of player, that have that type of player, were getting spun like a top in that game. And I thought that he brought a uh, a, a, a huge spark to the game of just like an X factor that I've been looking for from our U.S. side, that I've been looking for from a, a striker for Mexico, whether it's... Uh, uh, Funes Mori or whoever, somebody that's going to be that X factor. What makes your team on a bad day still very hard to beat or keeps you in games? He was one that really stood out to me um, from from this Panama from this Panama side that that I thought was good. And then again, Panama do not waste time. They do not waste chances. They seem to be very very um, organized in how they are going to get their results and. Similar to the U.S. in the second half today, Panama are just very good at saying, okay, this is a counterattack situation. So we're going to counterattack and we're going to shoot or we're going to bring attacks to a conclusion. And I think far, far too often, a lot of teams sort of like get down there and they go, well, what do we do next? Like they've kind of recovered. We have a half chance. They, cre- they go after that half chance and they just keep going after those types of chances that I think generate um chaos and you and i both know that chaos thrives chaos literally lives in it's the king it's It's yeah the king of it's 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 chaos is the thing that that gets you results it's just disrupting teams because again we talked about there's so many other factors that make Concacaf hard if you can make the game chaotic it's pretty uh it's pretty uh yeah okay so so let's let's end the show here on this last question and if anybody wants to chime in via social media if you're hearing this on apple podcasts or any other place that you like to listen to your podcast or or if you're watching on youtube right now given what you've seen in the first three games heath pierce i'm going to put you on blast because we just got a good comment from pickle which is an awesome name and and robin as well robin russell who do you he said pickle said that the mexico is going to finish in third by the end of this that's a bold shout, given that they haven't played particularly well and they still have seven points. And I think that's a sign of their experience and their, and their know-how of how to get results in the CONCACAF region. Where do you think people are going to finish? Let's say let's say like this. Who do you think is your top three that automatically qualify and what order do they finish? And then who's that fourth-place team that goes into the playoff to play against the team from Oceana? Man, can you hear me all right right now? I, I can hear you great. Okay. I don't know what you're doing, but it's awesome. Well, my my uh, my my uh, you you we we ran this so long, my battery died on my headphones, so I'm just switching back to an IFB so we can uh, all get continue but this. Did you get wonder- my question? Uh, I got your question. Yeah, okay. I'm I'm delaying so I can think about it, but also putting <laughs> this thing in so I can hear you better. Sure. Um, let me just switch this thing over real quick, and then we'll be back. We'll be back in action. Well, maybe I'll go and, first. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? I'm good. You're okay. good. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. And uh, okay. So. I, I, I think Mexico finished top. Okay. Um, I, I agree do. with you. I agree I just, with you. I don't see a world in which they don't. They can win in a number of different ways. And they showed, like, even playing against Panama, uh, that it's Hecatito Corona. They have a number of those threats that can that know how to win them games or can win them games on special moments. Um, number two, I'm going to go with the U.S. finishing second. I think there's a new new found belief and maybe it's a false belief but one that you can ride for a while a high you can ride for a while because again 
you're Greg Berhalter. You're building this case for your team that's like, I don't care where any of you play. I don't mm-hmm. care. Look at the way you're winning games. Look at the way you're staying in games. It's got nothing to do with spin moves and beautiful goals and all these things. It's got to do with the fact that you look left and right and you're willing to run through walls for your teammates. And that's what's getting you guys the results. So harness that. We're going to use that. Okay. And then three, I'm going to go with Canada. Uh, I Okay. I, I'm actually I'm on board with all these picks and then the spots. So so and for all the reasons we've already discussed, who's your fourth then? I, I'm going with Panama. What what would you lean towards? Man, so Panama's on f- five points right now, is it? Yep. Okay. Um man. So Me- Mexico's on top with seven, then you got Canada, Panama, us with five. Okay. Yeah, I don't see El Salvador. I'm not seeing a Honduras do this one. Costa Rica, Jamaica. No Costa Rica. I, I would love to see Jamaica turn so this would around. I. I, would, I would love uh, to I see just, it too. I just, I just think they have so much quality. I just feel like this is one of those things where it's like every every time they have this uh, generation of dual nationals in the Caribbean, and we're seeing this with Curacao in the future, and I think we're going to see the improvement of these teams. And obviously COVID, I think, has made it really difficult to, to swim uh, with the current for for Jamaica, but otherwise I would have actually probably had them at the four or five. So yeah, Panama makes the most sense to me. I think Panama for sure. Uh, I don't think they ultimately get to um, a world. That's uh, too early to say. I think okay. You know, let's do this. Yeah, I'll, I'll just say that I agree with you on all all four of those and where they're going to finish. I wonder if our thoughts are going to change after the next qualifying window. I guess yeah, I almost want to say I almost wanted to say US three, but like comfortably three. Right. 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 We'll see. We'll see. Maybe it'll change. We have, we have, there's a lot still. A lot of questions. Need a lot of answers, not just for our country, but for all the countries competing in the CONCACAF World Cup qualifying region. All right, Heath Pierce, always a pleasure doing this with you. We both have to get some sleep, I as just, does our producer. Every, as does everybody else. I let's just rest. changed my earpiece, man, so let's, we can do this. No, no, let's enjoy this 45 minutes. I'm going to absorb. I'm going to go take a shower in it because much to, to Marshall's chagrin, I am high on life and I'm going to get on and I just want to focus on the positives because positivity rules, as you know. So Heath, thank you again for doing this. You're the man. Yeah, thank you. And also, I just want to say for everybody that's tuned in for all of these uh, CONCACAF World Cup qualifiers, we appreciate all of you. It makes it so fun for Jimmy and I to have a core community that love this so much uh, that that's why we get wound up. That's why uh, we seem a little crazy at times. But this is our favorite. This is literally my personal favorite time uh, of the year is when we get to talk about these things with all of you guys and get you guys involved and engaged in the conversation. Well said, well said. We're definitely emotionally invested into the U.S. men's national team for obvious reasons. So thank you for watching and listening, everybody. Make sure you follow the K Golasso podcast on Twitter, at K Golasso pod. And of course, subscribe to the K Golasso page on YouTube if you haven't already. Hit that notification bell. And uh, then you got to do the business on the podcast. Whatever you get your podcast, make sure you subscribe as well. So that is it for me and Heath in this international window. But there's still plenty more in the K Golasso pipeline for the rest of the week, Luis Miguel Echegaray, fully recharged like a UK-based Brazil international, is going to retake the reins for the weekend preview that's dropping tomorrow or Friday or one of the days that's upcoming before the weekend starts. And definitely going to be focusing on Ronaldo's return to Old Trafford to Manchester United when he takes on my Newcastle. It's going to be a bloodbath, but, uh, you know, that's the way it works. And, of course, we'll do a, a Saturday recap of that particular game. And, of course, we'll come with you with all the good and bad from the weekend overall with Heath and me and Luis on Sunday. So that's it. We're done talking. Thank and you Champions, guys for all Champions League's next week. Champions League's next Champions week. Oh my League's gosh, it's all happening. It's then. all popping off. My brain's about to melt. Everybody, we're going to go to sleep. Thank you again for everything. We love you. Peace out.
Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger And don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. 